Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be once again at the ELC Excellence in Leadership Conference. And this is 2021. And it's been amazing so far, right? Our previous speaker, who is, of course, our host and convener of this conference, <laughs> has laid a great and solid foundation. And I'm going to move on from here. Um, my message, um, as oftentimes, will be targeted towards young people, will have young people in mind. Because if we are going to talk about leadership, authentic leadership, I mean, if we're going to talk about leadership, then we're talking about the future. We're not just talking about leaders now <laughs> or past leaders, but we're talking about future leaders. We're talking about what kind of leaders are we raising? The theme is authentic leadership. And I'll be looking at how to be a caring leader, how to be a caring leader. Today's authentic leader will not be the one with a stiff upper lip. It won't be the one with regalia, pomp and pageantry. It won't be the one that carries, you know, the, the office, the title, bossing everyone around. The authentic leader of today and of the future will be a servant leader, will be someone who serves, people who serve, male and female, people who care. If you want to be a leader, you must love people. If you don't love people, if you don't care about people at all, then you have no business in leadership. But there's something I always like to say, and that is that everyone can be a leader. Everyone can be a leader. But we must have in mind that we are serving. We must have in mind that we are serving. So when we have the picture of a leader, it's not just about that person going in front. Because everybody can be number one. There must be number two, three, four, five. You know, so leadership is not just about that one that is in front, that looks, you know, bigger than life and all that. There are those who will serve from behind and we would see there's room for everyone. If we think of leadership in terms of service and care, then there's a place for everyone. And you might ask, how can I care for everybody in this world? I can't care for all the people in this world. The important thing is for you to care for or care about the people that you lead. And that's why it's important to know what area are you to function? What is your calling? What is your purpose? What is your leaning? How has God designed you so that you can bring care into that industry, into that sector, into those groups of people, and the whole world will then be a better place because each person will be supplying what they have and what they know. Isaiah 9.16 says, For the leaders of these people cause them to err, and those who are led by them are destroyed. It says the leaders have led them astray and the citizens are left in confusion. Now, we're not just talking about government leaders. So there are government leaders. If you're a government leader or you're aspiring to be a government leader, you must love people. And you must be interested in their welfare. If not, do not go into politics. <laughs> Don't go into leadership in that sector. Don't plan to be a public servant. So if you want to be a mayor, if you want to be a local government chairman, you know, and all of that. At leadership in the government sector at all levels, 
then you have to love people. You must have in mind that I'm coming in here to make life better for the people that are there. So we're not saying that be the leader of the whole world or be the leader of a whole country. Yes, if you're vying to be the president, then you're going to be leading the whole country. But what we are saying is care for the people that you are assigned to. There's a very interesting story in the Bible. And, I, you know, I always like that Jesus used stories and parables to, you know, illustrate, to teach and to lead his disciples. He had his disciples. These were the people that he walked with when they were on earth. You know, he picked them and he would teach them and train them because he knew that he would release them to in turn, you know, train others and impact others when he um, after leaving the earth, after leaving this world. So while he was on the earth, he had these ones that he focused on and poured into. Obviously, he cared about them. He did care about them. And because he cared about them, he taught them. I mean, there were times he gave them, uh, you know, he would give them a very hard word, you know, in a very hard and blunt and, you know, direct way. And there were times he seemed to be soft on them. There were times he was harsh on them. I remember when um, children were throng, would want to come to him, okay? There was a particular um, scenario that was reported that the children wanted to see Jesus, but the disciples, these people who Jesus was training and leading, of course, right? Because they were still on their journey. <laughs> they were raw and they didn't know the kind of leadership that Jesus was trying to introduce to them, okay, that it's not like before that leaders, you know, lord it over the people. <laughs> he was trying to show them that it's about care and you have to care for the least of the people. So in any community, if you want to lead in government, or you have to think about the least. You have to think about the weakest. A nation can only go as far as, as the weakest can go. All right. If you are, you are even when um, Israel was moving out of Egypt, they could only go as fast as the youngest or the slowest member of the team would go. OK, and of course, if any child was too slow, they'll pick them, put them on their back. But that really is the truth. And that tells us right there that if you're going to lead people at any level, we have to grow in patience. In patience, yes, in that fruit of the spirit called patience and long suffering, <laughs> we have to grow in it. It's non-negotiable. So Jesus will talk to them in parables. Okay, so the children were coming and the disciples, you know, said, no, no, you cannot see the master. You cannot, you know, and they were trying to block them <laughs> or fence them. You know, we have all these terminologies that they felt they were too little. They felt that they were not important enough to see Jesus. They felt they were too low, you know? And Jesus got wind of that and said, no, let them see me. Let them come to me. And in fact, he rebuked them and told them, the disciples and all those who were around, that in fact, except you are like these ones, you cannot enter into my kingdom. Wow. He actually now made the children the topic. He actually now used the children to preach. You see? So they thought that he would you know, be like, oh, okay, I'm busy. Keep the children away. But no, he turned around and said, actually, it's the other way around. He came to bring 
just a shift, a paradigm shift to us, especially in the area of how we relate with people, how we lead people. Oftentimes the disciples were shocked. And oftentimes he also was shocked at their own, you know, level. Like by now you should have caught these things. You should have caught, see how, what I'm telling you, the examples I'm giving you and I'm showing you. Anyway, when I'm gone, the Holy Spirit will continue to teach you and to help you to do better. So Jesus was really interested in leadership, but his own pattern of leadership, it wasn't a weak leadership, but it was serving. It was servant leader, servant leadership. It was authentic leadership. And so he told of this story, and that is found in Luke chapter 10, um, from verse 27, you know, all the way down to about, um, I think, 37. And he told about this young man. He said, the young man asked, you know, what can I do, you know, to be better? What else? I've kept commandments and all of that. I know I've kept commandments. I've, I've kept all your commandments, God's commandments, rather, you know, there's the 10 commandments, of course, in the old Testament. And Jesus was, you know, when he came and when he was on earth, he was, it was a transition period, right? It was a transition period between the old and the new. So he was trying to bring about a shift. And he said, I've done all these great things. I'm a great leader, you know, I, I keep all the things we've been told not to do. I, I keep them. And then he said to him in Luke 10, 27, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. That was what the master told him. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, for another title could have been who is my neighbor, but I've called this how to be a caring leader how to be a caring leader. An authentic leader is a caring leader. And then the man said, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And that was when Jesus gave this story of a man who was going on a journey and he was beaten um, by robbers, kidnappers, bandits, what else? What names do we give them again? Hooligans. We label these people. They're human beings. Yes. <laughs> and so they, they, they beat him. They stole his money and his stuff and left him. The man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. I'm reading, reading the Passion Translation. And it says, bandits robbed him along the way. Is that familiar in some climbs where we are? Bandits robbed him. We see kidnappings all over the place. But I won't go into that. They beat him, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. And the such one says, a Jewish priest soon, walking down the same road, came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed to the other side of the road. He crossed to the other side and walked on by. That means he pretended not to see. And he didn't do anything. Not turning to even help him one bit. Later on, a religious man 
a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Walking on the same road. In life, we've walked on the same road with many a wounded. We've crossed that same path. We've been on that journey. Why do we pretend that we haven't? Why do we pretend that we, you know, we don't have time? Why didn't they stop to help, but rather ignored? They've crossed to the other side just to kind of like, you know, douse the guilt. At least they won't be able to say, you know, I actually passed by him. And then finally, thank God this man did not eventually die before the Samaritan. He said, finally, another man, a Samaritan came upon the bleeding man and he was moved with compassion for him. And he stopped to give him first aid. He put oil on his wound, you know, disinfecting his wound um, with wine, bandaging it to stop the bleeding. And he lifted him up and placed him on his own donkey and he brought him into an inn. He brought him into a, you know, you know, that's like a small hotel, if you will, a small boutique hotel. And he carried him into the room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money, you know, gave the innkeeper. He gave the hotel management and said, take care of him till I come back from my journey. And if it costs more, I will repay you when I return. In those days, there were no credit cards. He gave him cash. There was no, you know, card. I'd say, okay, just draw on my card or whatever, uh, you know. But he gave cash. He was so thoughtful that he thought it might not even be enough. We'll settle it when I come back. In today's world, if you don't have enough, there's GoFundMe. If you don't even have the cash, as an aspiring leader, I'm talking to young people, you don't have the money, but you know someone who does. You don't have the money, but you can link up. You can do the first aid. You can do the first part. You can rescue that man so that he does not die. Because if the man had died, then there's nothing the Samaritan would have been able to do. That's it. So the innkeeper played his part as well. At least he admitted him in. This was not even a hospital. There's some places today where even the hospitals, we say, no, we reject this person. Because he has gunshot wounds, you know, and all of that. So we can do better to be caring of the people that we lead, to be caring of the, you know, in the places where we have been placed. Jesus said, occupy till I come. And he's saying that to all of us. Lead, serve, occupy. It doesn't mean just take up space, but be active in occupying. Be active, active in leading, in contributing your own part. Who is an authentic leader? An authentic leader is a caring leader. And these are the kind of leaders that we are looking for today. People do not care until they know how much you care. And we're not saying care for the whole world. Care for the ones in your custody. Care for the ones along the road. At least along the path where you are. Care for the ones you meet along the way. Care for the ones in your very own um, team. Yes. It said of, it said of David... Psalm 78 verse 72 it says, so he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. David was not perfect. 
at all. We know about, about, about David. But when he was in the, in the fields, he would look after his father's sheep and he would so pay so much attention to them because those ones were committed to him to care for. And a bear came after one. He went after the bear. He killed it and, you know, rescued the sheep. Another day, a lion came. He had courage. He had passion. He had care. Can you imagine? He risked his own life. And he believed that since I got rid of the bear, I can get rid of the lion. And he did get rid of the lion. His father wouldn't have been angry if one, just one sheep was missing. At least he would come back home with 99 or 98 alive. But he said, no, 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 not one must escape. And so he said that the Lord found him faithful in that, that if you can be so faithful with sheep, I'm going to promote you to take care of my own sheep, my own people. Let us see people as God's sheep. Let us see people, human beings, as God's own, whether they are in the church or they are not in the church, whether they are of faith or they are not of faith, because everyone that is not a Christian or not of faith is also a potential um, 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 Jesus lover. The fact is that we are all human beings are all God's creation. There's no human being that is the creation of the devil. No. But he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to corrupt. He comes to give us wrong ideas on how to relate with people, how to deal with people. He comes sponsoring all these ideas for us to steal, for us to lie, for us to backbite, for us to cause division, for us to be uncaring and harsh. All those things are not of God. So the Lord is saying we can do better, younger people. I remember in 20, 2008, the Lord inspired in my heart. That's, I, I can't remember what month it was, but I had such a strong burden. And it was as if I felt the Lord laying on my heart, almost literally saying, I didn't hear an audible voice, but um, <laughs> I felt him saying, um, there is corruption in my church, in the church and in the nation. I just felt that burden and I felt that God was sad. That's just the, the strong feeling that I felt. Of course, this has been years of God training me in the prophetic and just knowing my own, you know, leaning or wiring. And so I felt that so strongly and I uh, decided, I believe I was led to, you know, set up a prayer meeting and we would pray every day. Monday, Monday to Saturday until we adjusted it to Monday to Friday, every day, Monday to Friday. One hour, an hour and a half every morning, like 6 a.m. to 7, 7.30. And there were prophetic words and there were words that came during that time for Nigeria and for other nations and even for us, for me, for my husband, for, you know, that he wasn't in that meeting. It was just me and a few other people. It was just for whoever could come early in the morning. We didn't have any keyboard. We didn't have anything. We just, you know, after about two, three days, someone brought a keyboard, you know, from the church. And it was in just one corner of, of the church because the main thing was just to pray. And he said he will make us joyful on his holy hill, on the mountain of prayer, just to release that burden. And we began to pray every day, one sector or the other, the shipping sector, the education sector. People will have words. The Bible says if anyone has a psalm, a hill, just write it down or come and declare it. And there were so many things prophetically that were said about our nation. But I remember there was one day 
there was a man in the prayer meeting. He had like an open vision and he came out and shared that as we were praying, he saw young people. And at that time, even as we were praying, the Lord was nudging my heart about young people, about young people. And he saw this vision and there was, there was a tree. That tree, of course, had fruits. And he said, first, he said, God meant leaders go to the, the tree, pluck the fruit, eat, walk off. Pluck the fruit, eat, walk off. Different sets of people came. And then he saw this set of people coming. There were ministers. There were, you know, like pastors, bishops, you know, in their collars. Just he, of course, you know, you know people by how they are, you know, dressed and you can recognize. And he thought, okay, now these ones will cut down this tree or something. Because the tree, he knew that tree represented something like corruption, something that was not good. So he said, I know these people will deal with it. But alas, they got there. They took the fruit and they were eating. And then as he looked uh, uh, about that, the Lord asked him, look at the other side. And he saw a field and he saw children playing. And he wondered what that meant. And as he shared it, the Lord laid in my heart to say that the Lord is saying that we should ensure that those children are not corrupt. That those children should not be corrupt. I remember at that time, my son who is, um, I think he's about 24 today. I, I can't remember. I think he was 11, 12. I can't remember. Do the maths. But I knew he was around that age because, you know, I was imagining at that time there was so much insecurity in Nigeria. We were praying with Nigeria break up with Nigeria. It was, it was, it was so heightened. And we're praying also, you know, about the elections and all of that. And the Lord said, hide them and show they are not corrupt because that is the way out. That generation today are in their twenties. So if, you know, and what do we have now in Nigeria? What do we see? It's, Hold on, guys. Let's look to the younger generation. That's why I'm talking to young people. You're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, even your 40s, you're still young. At least they say 40 and below. Or you are even 12 or 18. 12 years old, Jesus was about his father's business. He was, he knew his purpose at 12. At least he was, you know, <laughs> you know, had a mindset. I'm not saying at 12 you should be preaching. Jesus said he was about his father's business. So be about yours, having that mentality that I am here for something. I must find it. I must start by being kind to my colleagues in school, my classmates. I must start by, you know, if I'm given any position to lead, if I'm made the head boy or the head girl or the class captain, or even just that person that writes people's names down, <laughs> I should do it faithfully. I should do it faithfully with focus, with kindness and with firmness, firmness. Because we're not just talking about mushy, mushy, caring, lovey, lovey, and all of that. Jesus was also firm. Did you hear where he called people whitewashed sep sepulchers? Did you know when he called one woman a dog? <laughs> he, the woman had her child sick at home and she came. This woman was a Gentile. I think she was a Samaritan as well. She was not a Jew. And he was not sent to the Gentiles. He wasn't sent to the Samaritan. He was sent to the Jews. And this woman came and said, my daughter is sick at home. And he said, healing is the children's bread. We're not giving it to dogs. This woman was so focused. 
I don't even want to digress, but this woman was so focused. She did not get angry. (laughs) Sometimes when we get angry, it's a trap. To be sidelined from the business of the day, to be sidelined from the miracle, to be sidelined for what we are supposed to get. She knew that he was the master. She knew he was God's representative on earth. She had heard about the miracles. Yes, she didn't feel she qualified, but she said, if I go humbly with faith in my heart. And so he said, we do not give this to the dogs. Healing is the children's bread. And do you know what she said? She said, but yay, master, the crumbs fall to the ground. The crumbs from the bread, the bread crumbs fall to the ground and the dogs can the crumbs. Jesus was like, wow. Oftentimes he was wowed by people's faith. Oftentimes he was wowed by their faith. For him, that, that, that took him aback. Like what? Many times when he's surprised, he's like, I've never seen this kind of faith before. I called her a dog. She was not deterred. She said, yes, it's just a crumb. I don't need the whole loaf, just a crumb. Like a mustard seed, just a crumb is enough. And that was it. He said, go, your daughter is healed. And she believed and she went home. And when she got home, her daughter was healed. Wow. We must be believers again. But we must believe him. The one who called us, the one who created us, the one who said, let there be light. And there was light. And I believe that when he said, let there be light, he had you and me in mind. He had us in mind. Because Jesus, while he was on earth, he said, you are the light of the world. Mm -hmm. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. He said, let your light shine. That men may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So it's not time to play small. You're a leader, you're a follower, you serve. Followers are leaders also. Because as you follow, you have others following you. Let your light shine. That is the command. You are the salt of the earth. Salt preserves. Young people, salt preserves. Don't do it the way the older people have done it. Learn, distill the good values. But look to the values of God. Look to the values of Jesus. How did he do it when he walked the face of this earth? He wasn't an emotional person. So I'm not talking about emotions. I'm not talking about that kind of care. I'm not talking about that kind of... You know, let's just, you know, be doing a pity party and be saying sorry. I mean, no, there were times that he was very focused. He was. John the Baptist, look, one of those times where we could see his sternness was when John the Baptist was in prison and he was going to be beheaded. John didn't know at that time, but he was thrown in prison by Herod. John was thrown in prison, not for just having a big mouth, but he was speaking truth to power. He was speaking prophetically and he was speaking truth. He said, Herod, you cannot have your wife's sister or whatever. He was speaking against the sin. It's not that he didn't love Herod, but he was telling Herod where he was. Herod was angry and threw him in prison. And we know the rest of the story, how his head was called for. Now, while he was in prison, he sent his disciples who visited him often and said to go and tell Jesus, is he the Messiah or should we expect another? At that point in time, he was whipped. All before now, he was a great leader. John would always defer to Jesus. When people would come to to him and say, the man you baptized, the one you baptized in Jordan, you know, everyone has gone after him now. And John will tell them, you know, 
It's given to him from above. But on this day in the prison, he was weak. I guess spiritually, you know, he was weak. And leaders do fall weak and grow weary. And he said to them, go and ask Jesus if he is the Messiah. Or should we expect another? Wow, John, God revealed to you this is the Messiah. When you baptized him, heavens was open. Even before then, he had showed you, you leaped in your mother's womb when his mother came to visit your mother Elizabeth. You knew from the beginning. Why this different language? That's what happens when leaders are hurt. That's what happens when leaders are tired and burnt out. And I've come to speak to the leaders, not just the young leaders, but even leaders like me. Authentic leaders who have been caring, who have been loving, who have done their best and who have done their most. But sometimes there's that one ungrateful person. Sometimes there's still that one backstabber, that one, you know, gossip, lying person behind you doing all kinds of things. And it gets to us sometimes. It gets to you. It's gotten to me already. Um, the, uh, sometimes it does. I, won't, I don't have time to share a very personal story. I was going to be because I am a vulnerable leader and I try to be so that people can learn. I don't care if people use it against me. Yes, I, there's no time to share a particular situation where I literally just cried and wept. When someone who I trained and was still training, supposed to be even like a daughter kind of spiritually, called me on the phone and wired me. I wept. It hurt me. Because she lashed at me with her tongue and all I had in my heart was love for her. But all that is over now. All that is over now. Love her, still love her to bits. Amen. But I'm just saying this to say that leaders hurt. Leaders who have pure hearts hurt too. Authentic leaders who are doing it well too, they also hurt. And they must be healed. Why are leaders not caring? Why are some leaders not caring? Why would this, um, those two, the religious priest and the other one, the, 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 the Jewish person, pass by this man, this wounded man? Why would they cross over to the other side? I'm not going to make excuses for them, but maybe they've helped before and they were lashed. Maybe they've helped before, helped someone who was stranded and the person turned around and helped hurt them. Maybe they were not healed and their hearts had become hardened. And that's why leaders who are authentic, you have to guard your heart with all diligence. Keep watching your heart. Keep, keep getting healing, seek healing. Many leaders were traumatized when they were young and they can only give what they have. Many of these things that manifest in our adulthood were there in our childhood. Abandonment from parents, Parents who are not nurturing, that teacher who come to your head so much, that teacher who spoke so harshly at you and said you, are, you wouldn't amount to nothing. It was said to Disney that you wouldn't amount to nothing. It was said to opera. Some of us even here. And yet you, you turned out well. You turned out well, but there's still some pain and there's still some um, shrinking in your heart. And there's still some trauma that is not fully there. Even though on the outside you've done well, you're now that leader. You have your business. You have your ministry. But get healing for the residue of what was there because eventually it does show up. So I'm saying to the young people right now, be authentic. Watch over your heart. Ensure that it's pure. Have accountability partners. Have a heart for the people that you lead, no matter how many right now, even if it's just one person, even if it's just your younger brother or younger sister. 
Have empathy so you can stop to listen. Don't be afraid that you won't be able to do something. Listen first and see how the Lord might inspire you to get them the proper help or to link them with the right person. Don't say, oh, I have nothing. So how can I help someone at this stage? Many of us started without having anything. Without having anything. I remember my husband and I, we had nothing. In starting this, which is right now in this month, 26 years old. And we had only been married for two years, two, two and a half years at that time. Young, we were 28 years old, both of us. Can you imagine? What did we have? Which money did we have with knowledge, but just the heart for people? He said, I'm starting this journey. I said, okay, I'm in with you. I'll support you. So speak your truth. Authentic leaders, young people, speak your truth. Be honest about what you can do and not do. Don't brag about what you cannot do. Don't try to form strong when, you, when it's not your lane. Find the person whose lane is, it is. If you can do text, say, hey, this is what I can contribute for you. And then lastly, communicate with the people that you lead. Communicate. It's not fun to remain mute. It's not fun to just act like they are not there. Like we see today sometimes in our leaders, what is going on? Nothing. You don't, you know, communicate, carry them along as you seek your growth and your healing and the prosperity of your own soul. And lastly, I'll leave you with this. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Laugh a little more and laugh a bit more. Surround yourself with people who will cause you to laugh. Surround yourself with the presence of God. It's not that hard. It's not that harsh. Laugh a little more and then smile a little more. And if you have no one to smile to, take a walk in the park and say, like that little boy, there's that, is it like a meme on social media recently? Hello, hi, 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 hi. Say hello to strangers and they'll say hello and they will smile back at you. Even just for that, you would have touched a life. God bless you. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, Lord, so much to say in so little time. But Lord, I pray for the healing of our hearts, especially leaders who've done their best and who keep giving day in, day out. I pray for even the most authentic leaders, mothers, in that category, who give night and day, who nurture, school runs, birthing, even who pushed out in pain just to see that we have life and we live. I pray, oh God, for healing. I pray against discouragement. I pray for strength so we might go from strength to strength and that we and they that are of us will make the world a better place. Thank you, Father.